Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 27th, 2021, the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Now, Bruce, please tell me, how are you? I'm good. I think I have finished all of my thank you cards for the numerous Pentecost gifts that we've exchanged. And ha 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 ha. That was a joke. I was going to say, I was like, I did not buy you anything, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, not not the same kind of season, uh, the season after Pentecost. It's not, I mean, this isn't Christmas, for goodness sakes. Uh, Nor is it Easter. uh, it's that grand green time. If I had to press you, Bruce, what would a season after Pentecost gift look like? What would what would well, be the ideal thing? And, and not just for a priest, because you guys get weird presents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Books and, you know, you know yeah. altar so I stuff. Would say, I mean, it's weird. <laughs> I would say baseball tickets. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm 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 gonna need you to explain to me how that ties in. Go ahead. It, only because it's what you want. By the time <laughs> you get to Pentecost, no matter how early Easter has taken place, professional baseball has started its leagues. Yeah. Sometimes Easter they haven't quite started, particularly uh, the minor leagues. Oh, but. Okay. Pentecost, they, they've always gotten their Okay, stuff. okay. You you win this round, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's simply a time thing. It's not at all symbolic. Okay, right. symbolic, symbolic, very dangerous, but I'll go with sparklers. Ooh. Kind of Holy Spirit flamey thing. Right, right. I mean, maybe maybe we wouldn't trust you with those, but but those are those are a good gift. I still remember when I was a little kid, and I'm 61 years old, so it's a ways back. Completely legal. You could, you know, and I remember. Are sparklers not legal? In California, they're not anymore because they're. Well, yeah, so Californ- yeah, California is a tinderbox right now. I don't think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't well, think magnifying glasses are legal <laughs> at this point. I remember at, I was like three years old, mm-hmm. maybe four at the most, I, and adults who I barely knew, the neighborhood block party type thing, handing me sparklers and handing me this hot thing, I forget what they called it, that I, and I was holding both of these, the adults wandering away, telling me just touch one to the other, and suddenly this sparkler's going off, and I still have this glowing red stick that I then pass on to another kid. Oh, oh, it's called a punk. That's it. Yeah. 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 And um so we do that for like fifteen minutes on the on mm-hmm. a lawn and then the kids start screaming because in bare feet they're starting to step on the spent sparklers that are still <laughs> hot enough <laughs> to to brand cattle. Yeah, I, so, yeah. I think at this point uh, you can only do sparklers in California if you're literally in the ocean at the same time. Right. Um, but but uh, but yeah yeah okay well okay. There's a full full on <laughs> you, tangent. You did it. You did it. You justified sparklers. And baseball tickets uh, in in one and session. And traumatic childhood right. memories. Right. So we're gonna. So we know we know what we're gonna get you for your uh, uh, for your end of the season present. Sparklers. A pack of sparklers. In fact, I, I think I have some. Like the, literally in the closet from twelve years ago. Who yeah, knows see, if they're you're still just good? <laughs> holding back on a Molotov cocktail fuse. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, Every no. home should have some. Oh no! We are giving great advice. Um, yes. <laughs> well, uh, Bruce, uh, let me uh, let me ask you uh, the things going on at the church. I, I, I believe this last Sunday I heard uh, tell of a, a new book for the book club. Is there what else? Uh-huh. Is, what else is going on? So we're starting a new book for the book club. Uh, yeah. Now's a great time to jump into that. And then, yeah, is there... go to the website to sign up for that. Okay. Yeah. And th- this Saturday's the big to do for Fishers, and the church right. is participating. Right. Which is uh, the Spark Fishers, which has its own, which has its parade. Um, I forget what time the parade is now. Seven, six. 
Oh, do, and do not ask I me. Think, I think six. <laughs> okay. And fireworks at 10. And in between, on the church grounds, we'll have all sorts of fun stuff going on. Very cool. For all ages. And a taco truck and things like that. And we really do have a great view for the fireworks when they go off at 10. Uh, so it's great time to invite everyone you possibly know to who's nice to <laughs> come to this event. Don't want anyone running around with sprinklers and just, or sparklers and just yeah. dropping them on the ground. Right. Though kids often play with sparklers at this event. I, I, I've seen it. Sure. That's fine. It's fine. Um, and there are all sorts of other things that are go, going to go on that same evening. So again, go to the website and see all the details about s'mores and stuff like that. S'mores and taco trucks and oh my goodness, this is a this yeah. is a hoopla. Um, so yeah, that that's coming up this Saturday. Saturday. So we will yeah. all uh, those of us who attend in person will be sunburnt uh, uh, quite <laughs> quite thoroughly. Yeah, on Sunday. Right. So we'll keep the we'll keep the uh, the the camera cl on a tight shot. <laughs> <laughs> see how many of us have raccoon eyes from our sunglasses <laughs> right um well bruce let me move over then and ask you about the person of the day okay uh your person i'll give you years uh as i have been recently 1925 to 1999 okay and this person's name is robert robert harvey greenfield robert harvey greenfield Oh boy. Okay, I'm just going to throw in the towel immediately. Okay. Well, um, the 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 main thing I can go into a whole bunch of things uh, that they they uh, talk about for him, uh, a dean here, a priest there. Um, but uh, the long story short is he was one of the uh, uh, contributors to the prayer book revision. Ah. Uh. Yes. Yeah. 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 He was a member of the Standing Liturgical Commission mm -hmm. and made numerous contributions to its work. He wrote the Second Eucharistic Prayer in Rite One, and the Prayers of the People uh, for the Rite One Burial Office. Uh, his most, which are very nice. They are very nice. Uh, his most significant con contribution to the prayer book revision was called an Outline of the Faith on pages uh, 845 to 862, which is was almost entirely his work. Um, or, originally born in Portland, Oregon, died in Boston. <laughs> now, I'm just laughing because you said originally born. Yeah, we're not yeah. Baptists. We don't have to say he was born again. <laughs> I, I realized I said it as it left my mouth. Um, and I could not leave it lie. He, he, uh, you know what? He was born again... Uh, <laughs> Where is it? It's in here somewhere. <laughs> Look, if you can justify baseball tickets as presents for season after That's Pentecost, true. I can, I could work something up here. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, um, uh, Robert Harvey Greenfield, and Harvey, interestingly, is spelled uh, H-A-R-V-I-E. I don't know as if I've seen that spelling uh, uh, very often, if at all. Uh, but yeah, that was his. True. That was his. Uh, um, uh, uh, main contribution, at least that is uh, um, identified on the uh, Episcopal Dictionary of the Church, um, but, uh, but clearly served, it says uh, in, in one spot, serving a number of parishes. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, he was also uh, a dean of uh, the Cathedral of St. John uh, the Baptist in Portland, Oregon. Uh, so, okay. What, served served all over the place Oregon to Boston I mean that's a you know Portland to Boston is a pretty pretty yeah. <laughs> wide and, <laughs> see and this area. is one of those embarrassing ones the Episcopal Church is not a big denomination it's, you know, in my lifetime I think the peak was 4 million members or something mm -hmm. fraction of that clergy so there's actually a very good chance I shook hands with this guy at some reception at some point and so it's extra embarrassing to have no memory of what his significance is. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I I hate to tell you this, but Robert doesn't remember you either. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> he's he's looking down from heaven and going like, did I? Did I meet that guy? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll, you know, turn to uh, 
watching the greatest hits of the New York Yankees or something. There you go. There you go. Much to your dismay, because I believe you're a Giants fan. Uh, That's right. <laughs> and every everybody everybody who's not a Yankees fan doesn't like the Yankees, so um, right. <laughs> it's a solid bet. Uh, but yeah, so that's our that's our person, Robert Harvey Greenfield. Uh, uh, the as as I mentioned uh, before, the Eucharistic prayer in right one, prayers of the people in right one, burial office, uh, and then pages eight forty five to eight sixty two is almost entirely his. So, uh, so check it out in your prayer book this Sunday and and uh, uh, read his words. You can you can tie them directly to a, a name at least. So that's right. All right. Well, let's move over to our readings, our lectionary readings. Uh, our first one for this week is the from the book of the of Wisdom of Solomon, um, and it's chapter one, verses thirteen through fifteen, and then chapter two, twenty three, and twenty four. God did not make death, and He does not delight in the death of the living. For he created all things so that they may, might exist. The generative forces of the world are wholesome, and there is no destructive poison in them. And the dominion of Hades is not on earth. For righteousness is immortal. For God created us for incorruption and made us in the image of his own eternity. But through the devil's envy, death entered the world, and those who belong to his company experience it. Um, let's first things first, because we don't read from the wisdom of Solomon very often. Tell us more about this collection of writings here. Is it, it, is it a collection of writings? Is it a book? Is it a, like, what's the, uh, what's the makeup of this? It's a book. Okay. Um, and it's, it's very interesting because it's part of what, Protestants call the Apocrypha in the Bible. Mm -hmm. That's um, <laughs> the one way to think of that is that it, in an Episcopal Bible, it comes between the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. Right. This is so, the this is the collection of honorable mentions. <laughs> the miscongenialities. <laughs> right. 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 Hebrew Scriptures. Yep. And part of the um, fun of it is that gosh how to summarize a great theological conflict there are a bunch of people who are idiots and <laughs> which let's clarify just just to hone in which which are the group of idiots uh, i mean They're, they were the folks that at the time of the reformation were with good motivation wanting to get the best bible possible mhm mm mm -hmm. um went to and didn't trust the Roman Catholic Bible at all okay. went to the literally walked down the street to the um, local synagogue and got a copy of a Hebrew English Bible saw what books were in that and if it wasn't in that they said oh horrors horrors and tossed them out of the Bible hmm and not having any idea what was behind all that the and what was behind all that was that after the destruction of the temple and the scattering at, by the Romans mm -hmm. and the scattering of Judaism throughout the Mediterranean within Judaism there was a, a huge frolderall over how are we going to exist now we don't have Jerusalem and the temple anymore and they figured out a very blessed way to do uh, synagogue based worship and teaching and all that which is exactly what Christians then copied and we still do today hmm. but they want to be very careful about scripture because there were there was not going to be a, a professional class of clergy gathered in a central place like Jerusalem to answer questions and so they they wanted to play it extra safe mm -hmm. with what scrolls were in these synagogues and anything written in Greek was presumed to be not quite kosher enough to be cute 
um, to make it into the final version of the Hebrew Scriptures. Interesting. Even though they had been used in the temple, used in local congregations, studied by rabbis for centuries, they if they were originally written in Greek, they were dropped. Huh. By the time that happened, Christianity, for the most part, had branched away from Judaism mm -hmm. and had taken with it the Bible, which didn't include any of the New Testament, and so had these books. And didn't see any reason to get rid of them. Um, and so for the um, 1400 years or so leading to the Reformation, you know, any Christian said, well, yeah, the Wisdom of Solomon's one of the, is in the Christian Bible. But Protestant idiots said, oh, the, <laughs> the book at the synagogue has to be the oldest version, when in fact it was about 300 years younger than the collection that the um, Christian church had been using. Isn't that interesting? Uh, so so this, wasn't, this wasn't a book that was like, discarded by the uh, um, like carefully, ex it doesn't sound like it was carefully examined at all, it was just like nope, yeah. not there, so goodbye. Well, and yeah <laughs> and there are some practical things of it would be easier if everything was in Hebrew mm -hmm. in terms sure, of sure. what languages people had to study, but to have some in Greek as well, and what most people were speaking around the Mediterranean was Latin Mm -hmm. And other languages were developing. It was like, I don't know, this, this is just a logistical nightmare. Huh. Um, and so there, there are many Jews today that still think of this as a very good book to have on the shelf, mm -hmm. along with the other books from the Apocrypha. But it's not, uh, for Protestants, though, that's a line in the sand. That mm -hmm. if you read from the book of... Uh, wisdom of Solomon and, and the others in the Apocrypha, well, you're, you're not reading the Bible at all. Interesting. Uh, and therefore, you know, look out, here comes the burning stakes. <laughs> the, <laughs> so the Church of England and the Episcopal Church afterwards took a very middle-of-the-road, typical Anglican-slash-Episcopal Church stance and said, yes, these are holy books, but you cannot, and they, they are wonderful to illustrate doctrine, but you not, cannot create doctrine only from them and call it a biblical doctrine. Hmm, okay. And that satisfied for a while the Puritans and similar folks that were still in the Church of England. Wow, isn't that interesting? So it, it, again, it's very interesting. If you have a typical Roman Catholic Bible, the books of the Apocrypha, including this one, will just be in the midst of all the other books, mm -hmm. um, as they have been now for almost 2,000 years. If you buy what um, many would call an, an Episcopal Bible, and now the um, e ELCA Lutherans are kind of joining our camp on the use of the Apocrypha, mm -hmm. they are stuck in a section between the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, what about what about the specific book? Is this written by Solomon? Is this written of no. Solomon? Um, no, it's another one of those things where people, where th this was written very, very close to the life of Jesus. Oh, okay. This is, this is really new stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, and we don't know the exact date. And it doesn't have a little copyright symbol at the beginning or something. Um, but it's... Um, I just want to make sure I have the date right. It's somewhere... but It could be as... Um, the earliest date anyone figures it can be who's reputable is 250 B.C. Oh, yeah, that is pretty close. And it's possible that this version is from 50 A.D. Hmm. Which just rocks my socks. Because <laughs> this right? actually could be younger than some of the Pauline epistles. That's kind of crazy. Um, Isn't it, though? Then, uh, so as far as... as uh, 
As far as the, the, the reason it's worded wisdom of Solomon, is this just, uh, was that just to sell copies? Like, oh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> you know, these are well, we- very wise phrases that, you know, from, from Solomon himself, I swear. Uh, or, you know, I mean. It's, it's, it's more like it's a tribute band. Okay. All of Solomon's so, greatest hits that yeah. most of us haven't heard. <laughs> right. Um, and it, it's like what we've talked about with uh, letters that um, in recent centuries have been attributed to Paul, but we now know very clear, clearly were not written by Paul, mm-hmm. but Paul's name was put on them at, to honor Paul. Gotcha. So um, it, that, that literary tradition was quite strong by the time the Wisdom of Solomon was written. Gotcha. Um, the other thing that I noticed is that uh, it skips a pretty sizable chunk. I mean, usually it, we, we have little skips here and there uh, and in readings that are, you know, you know, 10, 12 verses, something, something like this. This is, that's a, you know, it's like a full chapter <laughs> uh, skip. Uh, uh, any indication as to why we uh, uh, we we hop here to the end? It was an editorial decision, clearly, by the lectionary creators, mm-hmm. and you know I've I've looked over the big gap, and you know clearly they they didn't like any verses before this as a summary, mm. and it's a you know it's a pretty short reading to begin with. Right. Um, and yeah, so I, I honestly don't know why they decided on the gap hey. being as long as it is, or why they decide these were the two verses that were the beautiful summary. Right. Right. Uh, hey, I mean, sometimes that's just the the way it goes. I mean, you read it and you're like, well, I think this says it best. You know, for you know, I'm not 100 percent sure, but this this is kind of nice. Well, yeah, and it's making a lectionary is a huge. It has a huge audience that has to please a lot of people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be approved, and so yeah, it, it it may have been you know some kind of grand settlement. Right. <laughs> I'm just imagining like get whole bunches done. of fights. <laughs> yeah, fights about it. Like <laughs> I don't like verse 16 and 17 of chapter two. Get it out of there. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. <laughs> it, it yes <laughs> you know all sorts of wonderful satires for my python yes uh-huh. there's the my python reference onward check of the <laughs> check we did you know, it the, good job the word the the worst group to to try to get something done is a polite group of christians whoever um yeah so they're you know sipping their sharing saying well I, i'm really not sure about verse you know, 16 in chapter 1 but I liked I liked 23 in chapter 2 and oh yeah okay you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, swing back and forth and finally land as they have yeah uh, what about this uh, reference to the dominion of Hades that kind of seems like an interesting use of, of, a, of, a tr- of terminology here Nah. <laughs> no? <laughs> joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, My goodness. <laughs> it, I mean, it's one of the f- fascinating things here is this. There's a great description that I just have to quote it from. Uh, make sure I have the right edition here. The Harper's Collins Study Bible calls this. Um, a Hellenistic diatribe. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess so. Okay, and, I guess so. And it and a Hellenist and Hellenistic debate, as we see in Paul over and over, it often sets up opposition so it can be knocked down, and, even if the opposition is imaginary. Okay. And so that's this is part of a construct that goes on for a lot more verses because of the big blank out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's part of the um, 
setting up the straw dog that there are a bunch of people who like Hades better than heaven. Hmm. Uh, and even though, like, and often in Greek philosophy, in fact, that's a fault, that's a, a fictitious group. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, when I read this, uh, it kind of brings back the imagery of uh, the the fall of mankind in in the Garden of Eden, right? It kind of it kind of yeah. reminds me of uh, the fall of Adam and Eve and 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 the decision made there, uh, because it talks about how you know uh, creation the, the creative forces in this world are pure and right and uh, what's I think there's the word wholesome uh, in here. There it is. Yeah, somewhere. Um, uh, and for righteousness is immortal. Um, and, and God created us for, for incorruption. So our, our initial, our initial creation was this, you know, uh, um, shining, uh, example. And the fact that we experienced death in this life is, was not original. It's just kind of a reminder. It wasn't originally part of the plan. Uh, you know, yeah. Hey, uh, uh, um, the, you know, your creation is the most wholesome thing that there possibly could be, and and the destruction of your life at the end, which we all uh, experience, is the saddest part. <laughs> and and uh, um, um, although there at the very end, it's like <laughs> and those who belong to his company experience it. Is good. Uh, that that part's a little. <laughs> an interesting way to end it I, but I guess that's yeah. the Hellenistic uh, <laughs> approach to I mean, there, yeah I mean there is a there is a follow through <laughs> it, it, there is but it, it, and it does I have to admit it does that part seems very out of place when you're talking about like oh you know creation is so joyous and wonderful and yeah death is sad and and, and, and unfortunate but to sit there and say like uh, that uh, uh, death uh, um the, the, I guess I guess it doesn't say that if you are, you experience death then you belong to his company, uh, but um, it's if you if you prize it. Right, right, right. Okay, I guess on first read it was I was kind of th- thinking it was like, and if you die, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. It's not really saying that. So um, well, it, it's okay. First of all, got the the. The thing that we haven't said yet in this conversation is that the wisdom of Solomon completely, thoroughly, 100% sees that there's an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that surprises a lot of Christians who may have been brought up with the fiction that, oh, the difference between Christians and Jews is Christians believe in heaven and Jews don't. Uh, so part of what this part of the wisdom of Solomon is talking about, what is the afterlife? And it's this has the view that there's the good afterlife, so to speak, the good mm-hmm. place to quote another TV show. <laughs> uh, and then there's the place of Hades, which is a place of nothingness. It's not a place of punishment. Mm-hmm. It's just a place where you're dead. Right. Uh, because that's what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's because of your own free will. Gotcha. Okay. So it's 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 tricky because we've we've dumbed it down in Christianity all too often to say the good go to heaven, the bad go to hell, and get each get their just rewards. That's really not scriptural, and and obviously takes out all the nuances. And the wisdom of Solomon is full of nuances about what the afterlife's about. Mm Hmm. And, like with the Paul letters, it is very conscious of the worldwide, which is to them the Mediterranean, basically, the Mediterranean view of religion and the cosmos and um, all you know, the, the spirituality of various religions. So, verse 24, the last verse in this, this reading, is actually... a comes from the Zoroastrian scriptures. Hmm. Which was a, a mystic religion. I believe they're still around. I would, but, yeah, I think they are. Yeah. 
but they were they were pretty popular <laughs> back in around the year zero um, when this this was composed. So in some picture Paul arguing with Zoroastrians, and you might understand more. We might understand more what the context of of chapter one and two are in the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah, just uh, for, for those playing at home, Zoroastrianism uh, is a monotheistic pre-Islamic religion of ancient Persia founded by, by Zoroaster in the 6th century BC. I just had to look it up myself. But I think you're mm -hmm. right. I think it, I think it still does ex exist in some form. Well, and they've been in the yeah, they've been in the headlines because of Islamic state just Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Massacring them whenever they get a chance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because they are seen as heretics who refused the prophet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Whereas Christians and Jews tend to be, oh, you're monotheistic? Let's talk. <laughs> right. Common ground. And, Let's, and, uh, probably, and probably most uh, Muslims, too. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, um I think they, I think that's it. I think we'll have to move on from wisdom. Yeah, Islam. We don't, at some point you just gotta say uncle. Right, right. <laughs> and and it's it is it is uh, it is sad that we don't uh, come back to uh, books from the apocrypha nearly as often as we as we possibly could. Um, Fun. Okay, I just gotta say one thing. Read in one sitting the book of Susanna sometime this summer, and you will not regret it. Ooh, ooh. Let's read it together. So for the next <laughs> for the next forty five minutes, I'm just going to no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't take that long to read it. It's, sure, it's like a ten minute read. Oh, wow, um, cool, but it, it is so cool. Maybe and we'll do not, a not like anything you'd expect to find in a Bible. Maybe we could do a uh, maybe we could do a side uh, a, a, a one shot a shortcut to Sunday one shot uh, and. Uh, if you could work it into a sermon yeah. uh, somewhere, then maybe we could uh, uh, kind of record that on the side. A ten-minute, ten-minute reading, thirty-minute discussion would be kind of fun. Um, yeah, that would be. So uh, we'll just make a note of that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on to our second reading of the day, which is Second uh, Corinthians eight, verses seven through fifteen. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your that though he was written yeah oh that's what it said yes <laughs> it read weird to me so i apologize for you know the generous act of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich and in this matter i am giving my advice it is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something but even to desire to do something now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a, ba a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. Um, this is one of those re writings from Paul where my, like, my brain hurts, I think, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if I was alone there as I read that, or if you, as you heard me read it, if you're kind of uh, bouncing around a little. But my brain sure was. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I went into Paul mode, so I wasn't too bad off. <laughs> okay. 
See, this is a mode that I haven't. Uh, it's like an upgrade that the church tries to sell yeah. me, and I just, I just don't know just if I won't want it. it. It's like it's like that and Sirius XM, and I just like you know, it'd be nice, but no. Um, uh, what what? Help me out here, uh, uh, Bruce. What is Paul talking about uh, here? I mean, it, it's summed kind of nicely here at the end. Is all of the, the, the preceding verses here to say the phrase, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little, therefore the meaning of all of these words that Paul uh, writes down is <laughs> that God gives you what you need? Is that the point of all of this? It's more, more the point is encourage people to be generous. Okay. 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 So there was so in both of these uh, situations, uh, either when you have much or you have little, there's still wiggle room. It's you're not you're not you're not uh, uh, burdened uh, with uh, you have you have things that you can share and things that you can uh, give to others. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, moving on. Uh, no, I'm just... <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, the use of commas as I read these are just, you know... And I know, to be fair, that's not Paul, but the commas are there because the way Paul writes. <laughs> so well, and yeah, at some point... Uh, if they read, try. At <laughs> some point, you got to breathe. <laughs> right. They try. They try so hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, commas and colons and double dashes, and you're like, oh my gosh... <laughs> Paul, finish a sentence here. Come on, what are we talking about? Um, but uh, um, <sighs> so let, let yes, with please that that punchline at the end. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, a reference to Exodus and the gift of manna, where oh, that's they, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so it, it's supposed to take us back to that. You know that the long narrative through the Exodus story of God providing for the people, whether it was water or manna or meat, the um, guidance, wh where to walk, save them from snakes. That's what we're supposed to have in our minds when we we hear that verse. Mm, okay. Okay. So it yeah. could have been a lot longer. Right, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, so, so what is what are, are there? Sure, surely all of this uh, can't be summed up so so nice and neatly, or otherwise uh, Paul would have done so. What what else is? What are the, some of the smaller uh, nuances that he throws in here? Well. Um, what I, was, what I was about to say, and I don't think it's what you want to hear from me, <laughs> is that he couldn't sum it up. So that's why I referred to an entire another book of the Bible. Gotcha. As the summary. I gotcha. You know, that's the book of Exodus is what we're supposed to then, oh, okay, I got to go back and read that now. Um, right, right, right. But it's, it's, it's again, Paul pushing... On, in a, on people with a very modern problem of thinking that they have to have more than enough in order to survive mm. and to live in safety and comfort and to be responsible citizens. You know, all sorts of ways that we construct it now, and they can and people constructed it then, but it comes back to. God is going to provide. It may not be what you want. It may not be fancy. But really, stop losing sleep over this stuff and focus more on the generosity of God and how you can participate in that. Yeah. Without by sharing with others. Okay. Yeah, he 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 does seem to be hammering home uh, this um, concept of of accomplishing things like doing things the 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 works concept uh uh reads uh, fairly heavy here in verses eight and or sorry uh, uh 10 and 11 um mm -hmm. 
I'm, I am a little curious. Do we know anything about why? Like, it, it seems audience specific for this this portion of writing, but why he says like it's appropriate for you who began last year is that like a like maybe reference to a fledgling congregation or that that only just begun or or in um, the next chapter, chapter nine. Um, he t he talks about the work in Macedonia, that okay. was the year before. So, um, this this is one of those places where you may remember us saying a couple weeks ago about Second Corinthians that it's a conglomeration of Paul letters or mm -hmm. fragments of letters, and this this may scholars think this may be where the whoever was comping and pasting wasn't quite sure what to do with these pieces. Gotcha. And so stuck these close to each other since Paul will go on to talk about what took place last year. Okay. But it might have been, but there's also strong evidence that roughly chapter 9 was a completely different letter. Hmm. So it may, be all, yeah, it may be using a little extra tape to try to make this stick together when it really doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As I, as so, th I, so this is one of the few places in the Bible where people can say, "Yeah, I don't get it, but that's not my fault." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the 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 way verse uh, ten ends there. Uh, you know, I'm having flashbacks of like childhood things of like. Uh, uh, n not only do I want you to do something, I want you to want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. Uh, my my mom and dad saying something like, I want you to keep your room clean, but not just clean. I want you to want to keep yeah. your room clean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and and the rest reads like it probably it probably would for my parents. Now finish doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I you know, and and. Often it was somewhere in an adjoining paragraph, I'd hear the, I, you know, I shouldn't have to tell you to do this. It should be obvious it has to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what Paul's getting at as well. Right. That these, these new Christian communities that he's supporting in their formation, sometimes starting himself, mm -hmm. can't wait for the next letter from Paul to do the next thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that that helps kind of color the. Yeah. I, I'm not always going to be there, and you know what needs to be done. The the, the yeah. needs are obvious. Uh, so don't so, just wait for me to write you a letter and say, "Hey, would you help out Tabitha here a little bit and right do the thing that you know you need to do?" Just you know, how about I write you next year and thank you for you know you doing already what needed to be done and we're happy to do so that kind of makes some sense especially as if he was in kind of an instructive role for some of these uh, uh, new congregations and new groups yeah and in, in both Jesus's teaching and Paul's teaching there's quite a bit about taking initiative and you can't you, know, you, you can't just say well you know, we'll, we'll wait for Paul's next letter no matter how long it takes to get here so that we can <laughs> play it safe and right in the meantime we'll just binge watch the latest greek tragedies or something <laughs> right 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 well peter here says to feed the poor but john over there says that right we should pray to god and i'm not sure so so i'll just wait i don't want <laughs> right. to get halfway done with a project and find out it was the wrong thing right i don't want to <laughs> Which, which obviously, like you know, some of those things, you know, work it out logically in your head. I don't want to be halfway through feeding the poor and find yeah. out that that wasn't that important. <laughs> which again, My bad. It's, a, it's a very modern argument. Sure, because uh, I, I, not at Holy Family, but other churches I've I've been part of, there have been not if if we could have simplified. The conversation down to that which it really was in its foundation we would have realized how silly everyone was sounding but there are a lot of christians that will talk that way i mean i i, I do appreciate you giving uh, us as a congregation a pass but i'm sure there we've had our moments <laughs> oh yeah everyone where, does. We're, we're human 
Paul Paul would have had his dough moments, uh, like, <laughs> you know, hand against the forehead. I'm sure I'm responsible for probably half of them. Uh, like I'm not sure what we should do. <laughs> really, <laughs> really, Ben? Are you sure? <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I will, I will put I'll out f- the fire. Call nine one one. Right, exactly. Other way around, Ben. Other way around. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, well, let's let's uh, let, let's move on from my shortcomings uh, and move on to <laughs> move on to the gospel reading today. Uh, Mark chapter five, verse twenty one through forty three. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus Jairus, came in and went, sorry Jairus, I butchered your name, came and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in, fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the father, child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Ta- Talitha, come. Tabitha. Oh, it's an L on my screen. Oh. Tabitha, Tabitha, come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. You were right then. I was wrong. Tabitha, come. Okay. Um, Coom, but yeah. Coom, coom. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um... Talitha, is that uh, so? That would be the the it, is that Greek? Is that Latin? What is that? I'm thinking it's Latin. I was but, gonna say because it's cum laude and and that's Latin, yeah. right? Which makes me wonder what. Well, actually, it's a mul- it's an expression in multiple Middle Eastern languages, yeah. um, and. Yeah, and it's essentially Greek. But <laughs> it was well, esse- I mean, it, essentially. Okay, you know, the New Testament's messy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and oh, it's Arama- Aramaic as well. Okay, I yeah. see. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. See, I I have the internet too. Um, <laughs> this is in a paper Bible with tiny print. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, this is um, it's kind of like this. Uh, um, it's an interesting uh, 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 way to tell this story, which I'm I'm trying to think of another example where this kind of happens. But he like Mark starts the story with 
the leader, you know, the, one of the leaders of the synagogue, and then breaks away from that story to tell an interior story, and then finishes in the exterior story, which is kind of an inter- interesting... Um, Fancy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's usually, uh, as far as I can think of, most, especially the gospel writings, are very, you know, uh, I'd use the word linear, but I know that some some kind of bounce around a little bit as, as far as like their, their timeline storytelling. But it's a very, you know, he went here, he did this, he said this, like, you know, uh, uh, kind of a story. It really kind of uh, draws to, either draws to light or gives you the impression of kind of a, cacophony of back and forth and this person wants that and this person Mm -hmm. you know uh this person touches him and someone else wants healing and the the kind of um you know um crazy kind of crowd that would actually gather around him as a healer as a as 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 christ himself like the the it kind of pulls you in, in in that in that narrative way kind of pulls you into uh, the crazy goings-ons at the uh, at this point in the story of how everybody wants him for something, um, right? And needs something, and I don't, I don't, I, I'm trying to think I, of another time where um, I kind of felt that way while reading um, uh, a, a gospel reading, and I don't think I, I, I can't think of one that comes to mind. And there's one that's that's knocking on my brain door. That I'm, I'm thinking John has you in the Gospel of John. There's this technique. Okay, okay. Um, so well, we I, didn't I, we didn't read John. So I'm giving Mark credit. He was first, anyways. So <laughs> well, Mark. Yeah, Mark was first out of the gate. Um, and what's one of the interesting things is that Matthew cleans it up. He separates the two, but Luke keeps them keeps it in the same structure. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I think there's a, a good reason for the, for Luke to do that, and a good reason why Mark did it. If you note, um, the woman who's had the menstrual flow for 12 years, and the daughter's age is 12 mm. years, then, bing, here's a connection. Gotcha. And as the detectives on TV say, we don't believe in coincidences. Right. Uh, There's a depth that Jesus is doing something miraculous that is both for the living and for the deceased. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that the, the woman's condition is one that obviously would have been terrible to live with physically, but also would have made her ritually unclean in terms of her worship life. And and so would have very much affected how how much she could participate both in religious activities and in worship, um, and also how she's likely to be seen by the community, since people would want to know why you know, why weren't you in synagogue last week well you know i got this thing um and like, oh you're unclean right. right um so it's and there, there are other connections too that the the woman who you know the woman comes out of the crowd virtually unseen and touches his robe the little girl who's died is squirreled away in a house and the crowd can't see what's happening Hmm. that all these the the ways that these two miracles take place are really interconnected in their features time after time when you read them right next to each other yeah hence the reason why uh, uh, today's gospel reading was probably so long is uh, yeah we don't want to lose that connection right um yeah it it we should we should uh i was as i was reading it the the first time through uh when uh the woman reaches out to touch his clothes and he turns around and says who touches who touched my clothes uh i i have to remind myself that probably he probably didn't say it the way that my initial reading 
uh, at least felt in, interiorly in, in, in my mind as far as like, who touched me? <laughs> it, it was probably more along the lines of like, someone so it, it, like pointing out that he sensed something incredibly faint, something that w- that would have gone completely unnoticed. It's not yeah. like someone yanked on, you know, she, it's not like she yanked on his robes and he nearly fell backwards. Uh, right, right. It kind of gives it, uh, it, it, when you think about it, it gives the impression of like the slightest touch that should have gone completely unnoticed did not. It, it, like, yeah. he, he, he sensed it. He knew about it immediately. Well, and in Mark, it, it, in, this, in verse 30, it says, Jesus perceiving in himself that the, that power had gone forth from him, mm-hmm. immediately turned around the, to the crowd and said, who touched my garments? In Hey, Luke, who healed themselves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Which one of you little rascals just did that? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm putting I'm putting my spin Who thinks on, they're worthy to untie my sandal? Come That's on. right. <laughs> um, and in whereas in Luke, uh, it doesn't say anything about why Jesus said what he said. Mm, mm-hmm. So so it's interesting that Mark, which is usually so sparse on elaboration, tells us why. Jesus turned around. Hmm. Whereas in Luke, it just tells, Luke just says, Jesus turned around and, and said the same thing in, in both. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fascinating to compare those two stories. I could just go on and on with Luke shifting it around just a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Mark, Mark is much more centered on Jesus and Jesus being healing this woman who had been in need for 12 years feels the miracle happening and you know, rather than say oh good don't have to deal with that right. <laughs> right. It wants to encounter the person as well so it's not just about the physical healing it's also about the restoration with God sure. in the form of Jesus yeah there's also there, there's also a juxtaposition here uh, between the two stories uh, because he takes a completely different approach, or or, or at least one would assume a, a completely different approach by uh, uh, in handling uh, the 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 two individuals who are healed. The the one would assume that him dealing with the woman uh, was amongst this crowd very very you know, front and center. Uh, he basically it, it calls out and uh, 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 to find out who touched him. And, and it's, it, it doesn't indicate anything like, hey, it, it, whispering to her, your faith has made you healed. <laughs> uh, and, you know, go, go, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Whereas, you know, for the, the little girl, that is the order. Like, mm-hmm. and, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on why that is, why, why there's a different level of attention, why there's a, you know, different instruction between the two, uh, um, occurrences. Well, um, part of it is part, there's the simple explanation is in Mark, it was unavoidable. I mean, I'm sorry. With the with the woman, it was unavoidable mm-hmm. that everyone saw. The disciples were saying, "What the heck's going on here? How how can you even know this happened?" Um, and and I think the biggest reason is that for the woman to be fully healed, she needs physical healing. She needs restoration with God. So those two things have happened with Jesus turning to her. Mm-hmm. And she needs restoration with a community that's been shunning her for 12 years. Okay, okay. And so by having this public conversation, including that she is now made well, that and well in a cosmic sense, not just physically healed, um, that restores her in every dimension of her life. 
that that if it had been if it had stayed secret, she would have had to go around saying, "No, really, it stopped." And I, yeah, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> where, right. Where, where, where is here? Jesus said, "Yeah, it stopped. You're you're clean. You're ritually clean, and you're spiritually restored, and you're physically healed." Yeah, that's a good point. The the woman would be able to be like, no, no, it, seriously, Lewis, you were there. Tell him. Right. <laughs> yeah, and this way, all sorts of people are around. Include, I believe it starts with, yeah, inclu including um, rulers of the synagogue who would, right. who were bringing Jesus to the girl who had died. So they were the primary ones who needed to know what was this that happened, so that the woman would be restored. Mm. to the to the worshiping community what what about i've, I've got uh, all right i'll do one quick comment and then one one last question uh before we close out so one the one quick comment is verse 40 what a neck snapping uh uh, uh turn of emotions uh that you know they're the the verse before or two verses before people were weeping and wailing loudly and then uh when jesus uh uh, asks uh, or states that the child is not dead but sleeping, then they laugh at him. I mean, like, one would think like their first emotion would be like, "Why would you say that? <laughs> why would you? Why would you say such a terrible thing? She's dead." Um, but uh, anyway, just a comment. Uh, and uh, well, and, um, and go back to my Python. This is the Norwegian parrot joke. <laughs> I I shudder to imagine John Cleese banging a dead <laughs> child against the desk, uh, saying that she is no more. <laughs> um, uh, but but yeah, it, it, I guess my but my question about her that what is what is this the deal with? Uh, periodically, there are stories of don't tell anybody, and it doesn't. I I don't know as if it necessarily has a straight through line of like oh yeah well if the healing was for this group of people you know it made sense for them not to say anything or if it was this type of healing but for everybody you know for others uh you know go and make it public go and show yourselves to the you know like it seems like it's a little all over the place doesn't it i mean and well, why would well, he say don't tell anybody in, in this is one of those places where if he I'm trying to get too far ahead of myself in the gospel of John the reason Jesus is crucified is the resuscitation of Lazarus from the dead mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it very well could be that Jesus was aware that as soon as word got out that he had power over death his death would come within three or four days or a week okay. roughly okay. in terms of Lazarus so Jesus still had more to do, and so it was crucial for his death-defying miracles not to take place yet. I feel like there was one, one of the, you know, restoration of sight or uh, healing of boils or something like that, that there was a, one of those where it was like, and don't tell anybody that oh, was Oh, it's well. very common, yeah. Okay, okay. And... The, I suppose that's along and the same always, lines. It's a, it's a, it's a countering of a force that is seen to be so impossible. Only God can do it, and the way that Jesus's opponent saw it was, well, I really don't want to say this guy's of God, so it has to be a demonic force, and therefore we kill him. Okay, yeah. And, and it does make sense that the the desire would be like you know no i need to i need to prolong this at least a little bit there's things that i need to to accomplish and as you pointed out with the woman in the story in the earlier portion of the story he didn't in in the crowd he didn't have to you know wave his yeah. arms or do anything you know crazy stand out all he did was like hey um yeah you did it <laughs> Yeah, good job. Uh, you know, don't turn me over to the authorities yet. <laughs> right. 
Um, but uh, but but it is interesting. I, I, I'm always though also struck with the the, the idea of like I, if something like that were to happen to me, there's no way that I would keep be able to keep quiet. Maybe well, maybe, then, maybe just long enough for Jesus to get further down the road that we can, no one could catch him yet. But like it'd be, oh my gosh, I can walk. Yeah. <laughs> How about well, that? Well, and in John, it's interesting where people will actually dispute whether it's the same person or not mm. in a couple of the john miracles and people have to testify oh yeah that's the guy um yeah gotcha. he, he really was crippled before but the the healing is so inconceivable that people say no it, it just can't be the same guy right right interesting well uh with that we will have to draw to a close this yeah. year podcast for June 27th, 2021, the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. Please join us uh, either in person on Sunday at 8 and 10, uh, online uh, with our live service uh, of the 10 o'clock service, uh, and, and please join us Saturday afternoon and evening uh, for all sorts of fun. Uh, and Frivolity and jocularity. And tacos and tacos. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> tacos and fireworks. I mean, you can say all the <laughs> joyous words you want, but there's tacos, and that's one more. What more does what more does one need? Uh, I bring your comfy lawn furniture and just have a good old time. The tacos have healing powers. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> and yes, the restaurant restorative, restorative powers. Restorative powers. <laughs> Go, your taco faith has made you well. Um, <laughs> And with that last bit of blasphemy, uh, I will. Uh, we will call. We will call it, and uh, uh, we look forward to talking to you later. Uh, and until then, I'm Ben, and I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you then. Bye bye. Bye.